Chapter Twelve of the Master Knot of Human Fate. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. The Master Knot of Human Fate by Ellis Meredith. Chapter Twelve. Speech is but broken light upon the depth of the unspoken. George Eliot. The work on the book progressed rather slowly. Often Adam had to refer to Robin when his memory was at fault. At first she had gone away to leave him alone with his work, but as he referred to her more frequently she sat with him, sewing while he wrote, a frame of morning glories back of her, or reading with the keen enjoyment of one who renews a pleasure long foregone. When he seemed to be going on smoothly, she sometimes stole away and gave herself up to long hours with her violin. One afternoon she tapped on his casement. His work was lagging, and he rose gladly and went out with her. They walked up the path and through the gateway to their boulder and sat down. "'Talk to me,' said Adam. She shook her head. "'About what, most worshipful signor?' for I am but a worm of the dust before thee, and all my tales are of the homely tasks of baking and brewing. Not is there worthy to be set down in thy book. Then, with a sudden change of manner, Oh, Adam, there are eighteen new chickens today. The Plymouth Rock hen stole a nest, and they came off this morning. And there is some news, too. The flax is in bloom. It is so pretty. When do you expect to weave your first linen? asked Adam. Oh, I don't know, but it is good to know there will be some to weave. Do you remember Anderson's story of the flax? I was thinking of it this morning as I pulled out some weeds, and how, when it was pulled up and cut and hackled, it said, One cannot always have good times. One must make one's experience, and so one comes to know something. And when it is woven and cut up and made into garments, it still says, If I have suffered something, I have been made into something. I am happiest of all. That is a real blessing. Now I shall be of some use in the world, and that is right. That is a true pleasure. "'If one only knew he was of to be of some use,' Adam said wearily, "'if we could see the justification of our suffering.' "'Then we should be as gods,' answered Robin. "'I like the song of the flax. Content, content. "'And when the linen is worn out, "'it is again tortured and beaten until it becomes paper, "'whereon an eternal word is written.' I used to wonder why Anderson was given to children, not that I wouldn't have them read him, but he is one of the profound thinkers of the world. No one had Anderson clubs, or professed to find deep and wonderful esoteric truths in his stories, but they are there. Do you remember my girls' club down on, I don't think there were any streets, but the inhabitants called the place Kerry Patch? "'Why, no,' said Adam. 
I didn't know you had one. Why didn't you tell me? That was ever so long ago, ages and ages, when you came to see... She paused a little, and then spoke the personal pronoun that tells the whole story, for a woman can say him in such a way as to betray unspeakable heights of adoration or abysses of loathing. She went on slowly. You were not one of my friends then. How could you be, if there existed anything in common between you two? That sounds dreadful, but you know all about it so well that subterfuges are useless. To tell the truth, I never cared anything about him at all, Adam answered quickly. Like a good many others, I was enthusiastic over your voice. He asked me to the house to hear you sing, and I went, and was glad of the chance. And you have never sung for me once this year. You never asked me, she answered. A dumb priest loses his benefice. But I was speaking of my club. We studied Anderson all winter and got enough more out of him than a lot of us who pored over Ibsen, guided by a literary expert. Anderson has a more beautiful, a more inspiring philosophy. Every nation has its story of psyche, the lost soul of things, but none is more beautiful than the tale of Gerda and Kay. They were children in that club who were cruel, horribly cruel, and one day, when we gave an entertainment for them, one of the older girls recited the story of The Daisy and the Lark. They cried as I had cried over it years before. "'I remember,' he said. "'It broke my heart when I was a little shaver. I couldn't give so sad a story as that to a child.' "'Oh, yes, you could,' she said, "'if the child needed it. "'The world was cruel, cruel, Adam. "'I used to wonder sometimes why God did not blot it all out, "'as he has blotted it out now. "'Once, in another club, a big swell affair, "'there was a humane society program. "'One woman, in a Persian lamb jacket, "'spoke on the evils of the overcheck. You know how they get that wool? And women nodded the aigrettes in their bonnets, torn from old birds, while the little ones starved to death, to show their approval, and patted their hands gloved in the skins of kids, sewed in cloth soon after their birth so they couldn't grow a fleece, and tortured all their short lives, and went home to eat pâté de foie gras, and broil live lobsters, thanking God they were not as the rest of men, if only they let out their check reins a hole or so. It was horrible, the cruelties men practiced to gratify appetite, and that women were guilty of for vanity. I suppose I am a monomaniac on the subject, but we never seemed far removed from barbarians when we went clothed in the skins of wild animals, and decorated with their heads and tails and feathers, like so many Sioux chiefs. The varnish of civilization isn't dry on us yet. Why, if a ship should come here now, do you know what they would do first, unless they happened to be East Indians? 
they would say they wanted some fresh meat and offer to buy Lily. She is the fattest of the cows. If we wouldn't sell her, they would probably take her anyway. Kill Lily, cried Adam angrily. They'd have to kill me first. Nothing on this place is going to be slaughtered while I can protect it. He went on more slowly, a little ashamed of his heat. I feel a sense of kinship with all these creatures that would make it impossible to kill them. It's like the woman whose Newfoundland died, and a friend asked if she was going to have him stuffed. Stuffed, she said. I'd as soon think of stuffing my husband. Robin laughed, and leaning over, tweaked Lassie's ear. If we are to be stuffed, we prefer to have it an anti-mortem performance, don't we, little dog? The sun dropped behind the tall peaks, but its dying light still covered sea and shore. They rose as if for the benediction and looked out at the waters before them. Then they looked at each other and grew white to the lips, and Robin knelt down and flinging her arms around Lassie, sobbed and laughed. Adam never took his eyes from the coming ship. End of chapter 12 Recording by Roger Moline